It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. The all-electric Kia EV9. Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, major partner of the Australian Open. Toolmark, the complete tool centre. Serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't So very good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA. You're with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to Hayes and Mardo. They will be back tomorrow between 3 and 5 here on SENWA. Now, we're going to open it with a bit of colour. Uh, before I tell you what I'd like you to get engaged with, uh, later on we'll be speaking to former Australian cricketer, fast bowler Rodney Hogg, who made these comments just before the start of the second test between Australia and the West Indies at the Gabba. They were hopeless. Uh, we should have two divisions now. We can't have these weak sides coming out here. Mitchell Stark with a brand new pink ball, he's going to run straight through them. Um, so I wouldn't think the game would go any further than three days. They're pathetic. Well, I look back at the West Indies of Ireland. We're down stretching on the ground and they're running past in speedos and I'm going, gee, look at their muscles. These days, the West Indies, they'd be running past in overcoats. <laughs> so... I'm going to have a chat to Rod Hogg very shortly on the program just to cop uh, and get an idea of how much uh, flack he's copped. I know that the West Indies used it as ammunition heading into that test match at the Gabba. Sometimes uh, you go out on a limb and make a comment and it certainly sometimes comes back and bites you on the proverbial and certainly done that with Rod Hogg. So he's going to join us in just a moment. Don't go away because it's going to be very, very entertaining, the chat that I'll have with Rod Hogg. Also, later in the program, I'll speak to uh, a gentleman and a young fella who has returned to the Perth Glory. He went and played in Holland, uh, a big transfer from the Perth Glory back to Holland. He's now been released by his Dutch club to come back to the Perth Glory on loan for the remainder of the season. He's now 19. His name is Josh Rawlings. He joined the Glory aged just 11 after progressing through the ranks of the Perth Glory Football Club Academy. He's going to join us a little bit later on. But what I'd like you to get involved with... Um, I heard the conversation on the run home and regarding the Super Bowl that will be staged on February the 11th, our time, that's on that Monday morning, is about the Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey partnership and what it's done certainly for the profile of the NFL and in particular the Kansas City Chiefs and it's brought people to the sport that otherwise weren't that interested maybe in American football and because of Taylor's presence 
all of a sudden it's taken on a different look. I know that the NFL, just speaking to a couple of uh, commentators, uh, they're not pretty happy with uh, Taylor's presence because a lot of the camera shots these days are now of Taylor sitting in that corporate box or that player's box, and it's not showing as much of the so-called players even during, as we know, timeouts and, and whatever. I know the NFL aren't happy with that, but in the end, it's added a whole new juggernaut to the NFL leading into Super Bowl 58. On the Tempera Bedshed text machine, I'd like you to see if you can identify this. Now, the number is 0487 736 736. We've had the Power Sports Entertainment couples... We had Enrique Iglesias and Anna Kornikova, of course, who was the pin-up girl when it came to professional tennis. We had Jennifer Lopez partner up at one stage with Alex Rodriguez, who was the Yankees shortstop back in 2017. And, of course, we've got David Beckham and uh, Victoria Adams, as she was known, part of the Spice Girls. Now, there was an AFL footballer who went out with a very well-known pop singer. Now, this singer was crowned the Queen of Pop a couple of years ago, or for two years, not a couple of years ago, but for two years. Can you identify who that power couple was that brought so much attention to the individual footballer and the clubs that he represented? Get on the Tempera Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. I'm not giving you any more clues other than to say I remember it many years ago. It was a big thing. Not too dissimilar to what's happening with the likes of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Not to that world magnitude, but from an Australian perspective, when this was sort of happening... It used to headline a lot of papers, social pages. If it was social media, and if it was certainly around to the extent that it is now, it certainly would be uh, a paparazzi type thing. See if you can identify it. Uh, get on the Tempera Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. Let's just have a look um, for the all electric Kia EV6, Kia's largest electric uh, even seat SUV. Kia are the major partner of the Australian Open. Just some of the sport that is happening. Interesting that Tennis Australia CEO Craig Tiley has received backing for his radical idea to abolish service lets in the sport. Now, Tyler is reportedly set to lobby to the world's best players and fellow Grand Slam tournaments in a push to change the rules of the game in attempt to speed it up. Now, the Australian Open boss said it would be crazy not to get rid of let calls, which he said added a cumulative 15 extra hours on to the tournament. So that's what certainly Craig Tiley had to say. He's also got a couple of interesting comments regarding the Australian Open. Uh, I've just got a text actually from Rodney Hogg, who I'm about to feature in a moment. I'll bring this up actually, but he says the West Indies were 100 to 1 in their first innings when they were 5 for 64. And of course, as we know, the rest is history. Again, if you can help us on the temper of bedshed 
Text line 0487 736 736. Who was that power couple, AFL footballer, who originated from Western Australia? He originated from Western Australia. And when he went to Melbourne, I think he got engaged with this popular singer who, as I said, won the Queen of Pop two years in a row. See if you can identify it. Uh, We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, uh, yes, it's already done. Pete, uh, they're all coming through now. Darren, Mike Richardson and Colleen Hewitt were a very big couple. Before we take the break, uh, when you look at Mike Richardson, he started at Swan Districts, played 139 games, then went to Collingwood in 83, then Essendon for a season and ended up at the Brisbane Bears. And he was a premiership player in the WAFL. And Colin Hewitt was his partner and they got engaged. And Colin Hewitt became the queen of pop both in 1972 and 1973. She was, I think, around about seven, eight years older than Mike Richardson when they were going out. But they were certainly a super couple here in Australia. There you go. Good on you, Darren. Also, uh, well done to uh, someone else. So a couple of other people that have texted through. One hasn't put their name to the text. We'll take a break. Uh, Rodney Hogg will join us next here on Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia EV9, Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, major partner of the Australian Open. Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. They were hopeless. Uh, We should have two divisions now. We can't have these weak sides coming out here. Mitchell Stark with a brand-new pink ball, he's going to run straight through them. Um, so I wouldn't think the game would go any further than three days. They're pathetic. Well, I look back at the West Indies of old and we're down stretching on the ground and they're running past in speedos and I'm going, gee, look at their muscles. These days, the West Indies, they'd be running past in overcoats. <laughs> Brilliant. He's an after-dinner speaker and I'll tell you what, he's very entertaining. If you ever want to book uh, Rodney Hogg, you certainly can uh, because he may come out with comments like that. Former Australian uh, test player, fast bowler, Rod Hogg now joins us here on Sports Day WA around WA. Uh, Rod, thanks for your time. Well, I'm not talking talking on TV now, so we can talk actual facts here, can't we, Peter? Yes, because yes, go ahead. When I look at the West Indies in that first innings, in this second test, I'm having a look here and I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, how good was my prediction? They were five for 65 and Stark had three wickets. Mm. And I thought, this is, this is, and it went to 100 to 1. They were 100 to 1, and it was looking like a dead set two and a half day game. Um, what an amazing performance, and, uh, and fantastic to see them given an opportunity to play a second test match against Australia, but not so much the oppor- not, not so much given the opportunity, but the fact that they're up in the, up at the Gabba. Some of them never played in a day night game before. Um, so there's a pink ball. They're in front of thirty or forty thousand. It's a different experience. And out came a bloke called Hodge, who never made. Did look like he couldn't bat in that first Test match, and he's got a seventy-one backed up with the silver seventy-nine, and they they got enough runs in the first innings. And you probably want to talk more about the game to, to instead of me rambling. Uh, no, I'm more than happy just to listen what you're saying. So saying that. Uh, before we talk more about the game and the individual performances, uh, Rod Hogg, uh, what sort of backlash have you had to those comments? All of a sudden, <laughs> your headline material around the country. 
Well, apparently I've reinvented uh, West Indian Test cricket. They were hopeless before I made those comments, and they've they've all jumped up and uh, been motivated to to play well. So, uh, but saying <laughs> that, but work. saying that, you're not too far wrong. They have been hopeless up until this miraculous test that nobody saw coming, really. Well, you've got to play the game to be any good at it, and. Uh, and they came here with six uh, guys that didn't didn't have a test test cap, and they were they, so they they were so inexperienced. And you sort of thought, well, they are a bunch of hopeless players. But give them some games, give them some game time, and they and a few of them showed uh, um, some real ability, didn't they? The better that the longer the two games went on, the better they got. And when you got a fast bowler who's your fourth bowler and comes out and takes seven of the last eight wickets. I mean, when we were two for 113, chasing 200 and about 210, um, you would have thought, again, you're about 50 to one. No shit, no way known the West Indies. And this, this kid, Joseph, uh, amazing, absolutely amazing. Now, you've been a test bowler, a uh, test cricket bowler. You know how you to get wickets. What I was amazed with uh, Shamar Joseph, uh, Rod Hogg, is the fact, okay, he went for over seven runs and over, but what he always tried to do is get the ball, hit the top of off stump, and occasionally he overpitched and he was driven for form, whatever, but he never lost the psyche of trying to hit the top of off stump. And that's been that's been the lay-down rule for fast bowlers since Jesus was a boy, really. Well, these days you get taught to bowl outside the off stump. All coaches. Out. Once someone gets on top, bowl outside the off stump. Well, immediately, that's how you can't bowl someone and get them LBW. And this kid hasn't heard that one. He hasn't been overcoached. And he every time he ran in, he was trying to take a wicket. And the fact that he had the ability to swing the ball, and the only way you can swing the ball is if you pitch it right up. So that sometimes can get hit for four. So he was getting hit for a few fours. But at the same time, he, he ran the race of being able to get some wickets and bowl that length, as you say. I don't know about the top of off stump. That's an interesting saying. That's a new age sort of saying. Bowl a good length. If, a bloke, if Bradman's uh, facing you, or um, uh, Cameron Green's facing you, the top of off stump changes a little bit. You've got to bowl a different length. But he kept running in thinking he was going to take a wicket. And sure enough, what did he do? He took wickets. Mm. You mentioned overcoached. He's raw. He's got the ability. He hasn't been polluted by all these uh, so-called coaches that sports people tend to sort of inherit uh, as they go on their journey. You wouldn't want to tamper too much with what he already possesses, would you? <laughs> Well, if he hadn't have taken wickets in this game, then there'd be a bit of tampering. But the fact he's done what he's done, and what he looks a pretty good sort of a, a lad, doesn't he? He was so excited when he took that five for in the, in, uh, in Adelaide. The way he bowed it uh, as he was walking off the ground, that was just beautiful. And then I think he went across to one of the fast old fast bowls. He went over to someone, and um, he looks like just a breath of fresh air and the pace he bowls. And when you think Guyana, how many fast bowlers, Peter, have come out of Guyana? You tell me. I don't know, but you'll tell me. There wouldn't be too many. I, Croft. Colin Croft's the only fast bowler I know of that's played for the West Indies that's come out of Guyana. They produced uh, Rowan Canhai, Lloyd, Chandrapur, Kalachran. They had Lance Gibbs. 
but they have never have only produced one fast bowler. And the fact he's come from there, who's been like he hasn't had Dennis Lilly in his country motivate him or looking at him at them on TV. So usually, if you're in that area, like if you're in Barbados, you've been affected by so many great fast bowlers. As a kid, you want to be a fast bowler. So what's made him want to be a fast bowler? It'd be a brilliant story that kid. So, mm. uh, but he was sensational. I take seven out of eight wickets and win a te- win the test match. And as I said, I reckon they were 50 to 1 when we were 2 for 130. That's just one of the all time great amazings. It's folklore and the fact he had a bruised foot. Um, usually that takes you out of the game if, you, if you've got toes or something's wrong with your foot. You know, you don't, you've got to land your foot down to bowl. Um, that usually takes you out of the game. And for him to do what he. It's folklore stuff. It's like Malcolm Marshall. When Malcolm took a fifer, I reckon he had a broken hand against England. He batted with one hand, then he came out and took a fifer. It's folklore stuff, and it'll be thought about forever. And hopefully the kid goes on and on and on for the sake of West Indian cricket and also himself. They're saying that because of that performance, it may at least save West Indian cricket at test level. But the the big problem in the Caribbean, reportedly, is that they haven't got the money to compete with what the shorter form of the game is offering around the planet. Uh, Now, he will be invited, you think, to play possibly in the IPL or the Caribbean, uh, you know, T20 competition and offer, be offered some good money. Uh, That's the big temptation for any cricketer coming and getting now, as he has, a bit of a profile. Well, when you go and watch AFL football and you might be watching one team that's on top, and I won't bring up the West Coast because they're just having a little bit of a bad run at the moment, but you're watching another team that's down in the bottom, and at the end of the day, there'll be a couple of blokes on a mill in, in perhaps the leading side, but most of the blokes in the poor side might be on 500, 600, 700. So there's not a great big difference between the pay rates. But you look at this kid, and he's, he's knocked over at the end, OK, Stark. Stark's probably making three and a half to four million a year. He knocked over Cummins. He's probably on about six mil. And he knocked over Hazelwood. Um, no, he didn't knock over Hazelwood. Yes, he did. And Hazelwood's probably on about three and a half uh, mil. And this kid's probably getting about 75 to 80 grand a year. Mm. So the, the difference is just absolutely ridiculous, isn't it, in the pay, in the scheme of things and for the future of Test cricket. So, Rodney Hogg, what about the Australians? What does it say about their performance? You know, David Goliath battles have happened uh, over sport from for many, many years, when bottom sides have beaten top sides, and this has no doubt happened. The West Indies have beaten Australia on home soil and at the Gabba as well. But what does it say about the Australian team? Is it just a little bit of a, a speed bump and we don't have to worry about it too much, or does there have to be a bit of research done to why this transpired, particularly with the bat? Well, we won the Champions of Cricket and then we won the World Cup and, and we've been looking pretty good and we've got some young players coming along. Head's come from nowhere with, um, in the last few years. He's developed. Cameron Green's new on the block. Labashay was averaging 60. Um, we had Warner. Um, and obviously Mitchell Marsh has had a fine season. So we sort of thought we were pretty well covered. But when you look at the five test matches in Australia this summer, we were very poor. Um, Mitchell Marsh is probably the only one who can really hold his head up extremely high. I think he averaged in, in the 50s and got about got about 550. So Mitchell Marsh nailed his position at six, but nobody else has really nailed their position. Oh, perhaps Kawaja, obviously. Kawaja, uh, International Cricket of the Year. But he's 37 now. And we've thrown Steve 
Steve Smith up to opening, and well done. When you look at that, uh, when you actually look at the scorecard, Peter, he's got 91 not out, and he's batted through the innings. The last time I can remember that, Bill Laurie batted through the innings was the last time I can remember an opening batsman actually batting through the innings. It's an amazing achievement. So, And Steve, Steve Smith hasn't got much longer left in his career, so Labuschagne's gone off the boil in the five test matches. Cameron Green needs to go. What we need is guys going back to first class, going back to shield cricket and making runs. And that's what Cameron Green needs at the moment. Um, he's not quite the player that we've seen in the past, um, you know that international the pressure at international level is is extreme, and you need to be at your best and you need to be confident. He just needs to go away and get get himself a hundred or a hundred and fifty playing for Western Australia, and he'll get that back. He, everyone's got faith in him being a great player as we go along, but just at the minute. I reckon he needs uh, a good couple of games in Shield cricket. Hoggy, as we let you go, two tests against New Zealand coming up after the limited over series against the West Indies, the ODIs and the T20s, one of which will be played here at Optus Stadium. Uh, Any predictions for the Kiwis and the Aussies in the two test series? (laughs) No, I'm leaving predictions alone for a little while, but but on top of this game, they'll be uh, a little bit pumped up, the New Zealands. I'll go the whole... uh, Australian team's got their tail between their legs. They're coming down to play us. That's how I'd be coaching if I was coaching New Zealand. So look, look, fellas, look what's happened. They're human. They're coming down to our, on our back in, into our backyard. They are cherry ripe to be beaten. Let's have a go. So the confidence level I would have thought in New Zealand cricket will be a, a lot higher than what it would have been. We played uh, five Test matches, and we let's face it, we played Pakistan, and weren't, weren't a great side. We just played the West Indies, and they beat us. So we're not going down to New Zealand as confident as we normally are. Yeah, good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it was entertaining. We are in the entertainment industry, and you certainly provided that with your comments, certainly on uh, the Network 10 News uh, the other night. Thanks for joining us, mate. We'll keep in touch. Thanks, Peter. Good on you. uh, Rod Hogg joining us. And, of course, Brad Hogg, uh, the other Hogg, will join me when we broadcast the T20 match between Australia and the West Indies here at Optus Stadium uh, next month. I think it's February the 13th, actually, that match will be staged. So I look forward to seeing the Australians and the West Indies here at Optus Stadium in that T20 match. We spoke about Shamar Joseph, uh, who was just amazing in that second test. He spoke about, after the match, about his love for test cricket. Here he is. It's amazing to see, you know, tears come from the great one's eyes because um, they, they know that there are young players out there that could do great things and inspire and continue the legacy for them. So it's amazing that, you know, we we show up on the right day in front of them so that, you know, that we're able to fight and continue to do our best. I love it. I love test cricket. Test cricket is so good. I enjoy playing test cricket for my only two test matches I play. I feel like I play a hundred test matches so far. It's just amazing. Yeah, good on him. Uh, Shema Joseph there on his love for Test cricket. Interesting also on that topic we were discussing earlier on the back end of the profile of uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey from the Kansas City Chiefs uh, about a super couple, a pop singer and an AFL footballer that got together. And, of course, it was Mike Richardson and Colleen Hewitt, Mike Richardson, who played at Swan Districts, played in the Premiership team, and then went and played at Collingwood, uh, Essendon, and spent some time at the Brisbane Bears when they were formed. Went out with Colleen Hewitt, who was the uh, Queen of Pop for a couple of years in a row. Now, uh, Cam from Carbon Up says, it's not the right answer, Peter. Sean Hampson and Megan Gale at Richmond were pretty big. Yes, they were, but Megan wasn't a singer. I was talking about 
performers. And if you were listening a bit earlier, Cam, I mentioned Anna Kornikova, who went out with Andre Iglesias, who, of course, was a performer. And then we had David Beckham, who went out with Posh Spice, Victoria Adams. She was a, a singer. So we're talking about singers and sports people. But saying that, that was a, a pretty much a, a power couple. I'm not sure, to be fair, it was as big as Mike Richardson and Colin Hewitt in the day. It was pretty significant, actually, if I remember rightly, as a young fella. 26 past five. This is Sports Day WA with uh, Peter Vlahos. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. They've been serving WA for over 45 years. The all-electric Kia EV9. Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, major partner of the Australian Open. Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, great to have you company. Uh, don't forget, uh, you can join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today. And don't forget, Sunday, the club is retiring Damien Martin's number 53 jersey. So it will be a, a special occasion. Just on the Tempera Bedshed uh, text machine, 0487 736 736. Pete, when you had haggers on... We discussed that Cameron Green's form at the time was coming from Shield Cricket and hoped all the white ball cricket would not affect his red ball growth. Again, Darren, thanks for that. Yeah, fair comment. And speaking about Haggis, uh, we may have a chat to him uh, before not too long. Keep listening to this program as the football season closes in. It's 29 to 6, um, and here's just a quick community update thanks to Firecode. Be alert and be prepared this bushfire season. You can stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online with the Department of Fire and Emergency Services. All you need to do is visit dfes.wa.gov. And this community update is thanks to New Fire Coat, the first paint proven to protect property in higher risk fire conditions and available at Bunnings Warehouse. Late yesterday, the Perth Glory um, sent out a press release stating that they were delighted to confirm that versatile defender Josh Rawlings uh, has returned to the club on a free loan from the Dutch side FC Utrecht for the remainder of this a-League season. And uh, Josh, who's a local product, has been at the glory since he was 11 years of age, came through the academy, joins us on the program now. Josh, thanks for your time. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. How did this all eventuate? Take us through the process. Yeah, I was, um, you know, I was playing for uh, Utrecht in the Netherlands for the past 18 months. And, um, you know, this coming June, the Olympics is, is as we all know in Paris this year, so I think that was one of the biggest motivators was to go to a club where I could help the team and and prove to the the selectors of the national team that um, I'm capable of of being part of that Olympic squad. How did you go in Holland uh, with FC Utrecht? Take us through uh, what it was like and and how you went. Yeah, it was definitely um, you know a very good experience for myself moving moving to Europe at a young age and I thoroughly enjoyed all all my time spent there and um, you know just the football in Europe is is great to experience firsthand and it's, it's a different level and you have to you have to adjust to to their culture and their, their style of living their football and it's it's a very big um, it's a very big difference to Australia but 
you know, it was very enjoyable, my time there. And, yeah, I was thankful for, for the opportunity. A lot of firsts for you. You became the youngest player to ever feature in an Asian Champions League game at 16 years, 6 months and 26 days when you made your debut for the glory against... Uh, uh, Shenzhen back uh, all those years ago, which was around 2020 uh, during that COVID time. You also became the youngest player to ever feature in the starting 11 for an A-League match and there's a few others as well. So saying that, in May 2022, it was announced that you would join Untrecht at the end of that season for an undisclosed fee. You signed a four-year contract with the club and became the fifth ever Aussie player in the process after Tommy Orr Adam Sorota, Michael Zullo and Daniel Azani to actually uh, go to that club or go to Holland. So it's a four-year deal. You're released on loan till the end of the season, hopefully to help the Perth Glory cause. What happens after that? Um, Well, yeah, I joined, you know, a long list or short list of some Australian players that have have gone to this club and have done well um, and shown that Australian players can, can do well in Europe. Um, but yeah, I got I got two years left after this contract, and you know I'm just fully focused on this six months ahead. It's got a busy schedule towards the end of the season, and like you said, um, you know Perth are towards the bottom of the table, and we're looking to to turn that around in the second half of the season. And I just hope that I can add something to the team and and get some get some more points on the board. Yeah, no, it's a great acquisition, some important games. We're at the halfway stage of the season, so there's still plenty of games to go. In fact, the season, the regular season, still goes deep into April, and here we are at the tail end of January. So there's plenty of games to be played and plenty of games that you will be featured in. How's your fitness ahead of this Friday night's game against Melbourne City? Where are you at? Yeah, look, I think it's at a pretty good level. I've trained a couple of days with the team now and obviously they had an away game in in Sydney so I stayed back and um, just worked on some running and to get my fitness topped up for a potential potential playing time on Friday but even if I don't play um, I'll definitely hopefully be involved and I hope the team can um, put in a good shift against Melbourne City. You've come back. It's a different-looking glory. There's a brand-new coach in Alan Stajic. And, of course, the squad would be a fraction different to uh, what you recall when you left for Holland. Tell us about uh, what you've seen so far. Yeah, obviously, it's, there's been quite a few changes at the club since um, since I left. But, you know, there's a few there's a few players that are, that are still at the club and still serving uh, the club quite good. But a lot of the new boys that have come in are, are really... Um, Really good, really nice, really easy to get along with. Uh, work hard on the training pitch. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been nice to get to know a lot of new new people and and the new staff, of course. Stadge is a really really nice coach, and yeah, I'm just looking forward to to playing under him. I think they've turned it around the glory. They've had a pretty tough first half of the season, but their last two away results have been very encouraging, and that away win to the Western Sydney Wanderers and sharing four goals and the points against uh, MacArthur as well. So uh, unbeaten in their last two games. Before that, uh, the travelling had been a horror trip for the Perth Glory. They haven't been able to win away from home for a number of games. Do you sense that things, even though you've only been there for a short space of time, what's the talk within the squad? Do they sense that things are starting to turn around? Yeah, obviously we've had um, you know two pretty good results on the road, one win and a draw, and 
I think I think it shows that we're scoring goals late on, which I think shows the focus and intent of the group to to like push on and and try and get everything we possibly can out of a game. And I think you can definitely feel that in the atmosphere at the club and within the within the group of the boys. It definitely um, gives us motivation towards towards the second half of the season. So I think the team's very motivated and very focused. And hopefully this second half of the season we can we can start to turn uh, the games into our favour. Welcome back, mate. Nice to have you back, uh, Josh Rawlings. Looking forward to seeing you in the purple once more and certainly helping uh, the cause for the Perth glory as they head towards the end of the season. Hopefully uh, a nice run up the A-League ladder. Thanks for your time here this evening. No worries. Thanks, Jen. So Josh Rawlings back at the Perth Glory, a very, very talented young man getting picked up uh, by Utrecht in the Dutch League and now he's been released on loan to try and enhance his possibility of getting in the Olympic team for the Socceroos. Uh, come and join us on the Tempera Bedshed text machine. That number to call is 0487-736-736. Good to hear Lisa's back. Hello, Lise. Hi, Pete and team. Happy New Year to you all. Yes, it's good to be back. Our second show back since uh, last year. Always enjoy listening to hockey. He calls a spade a spade. Pete, the Australian cricket team underestimated the West Indies, and I was pleased they got rolled. I said this yesterday, Lisa. I couldn't believe how many... Uh, local cricket fans were actually supporting the West Indies to win. No doubt you were one of them. Uh, You went on to say they need to start blooding younger players. would be great to have Haggers back on air, giving us listeners his opinions on cricket and AFL. All right, I'll let you into a secret, Lisa. I'm having a chat and a coffee with Hags next week. So we'll see what does eventuate. We're still mates and we still catch up, so I'm looking forward to having a chat to him and see how he goes. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment. Um, You can join us any time. On the temperate bedshed text machine. What about the Australian cricket team? Uh, Andrew McDonald spoke. He spoke about Marnus Labashane and where they're at at the moment. And today, Liam Duggan also spoke from the West Coast Eagles on certainly the pre-season, how it's gone so far, and what he sees of a different-looking team list with a few of the experienced players uh, now retiring and leaving the club. What sort of West Coast Eagles uh, team are we in for? It's interesting that Dwayne Russell, who returned to SEN in Melbourne this week, like we all did, has put his prediction for the top eight. He reckons Brisbane will be premiers in 2024. But he has forecast, like many have done over there in Melbourne, that the West Coast Eagles will collect their second wooden spoon in a row. Do you agree? Come on, West Coast Eagles fans. Um, it looks like it's going to be another tough year. Many are forecasting that the spoon is very much uh, the Eagles again uh, this season after the back of uh, what was a terrible 2023 campaign. Do you agree? Where is the light at the end of the tunnel? Come and join us on the Temperate Bedshed text machine. It's 19 to 6. The all-electric Kia EV9, Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, major partner of the Australian Open. Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change Yes, uh, great to have your company. Thanks for joining us, Sports Day WA. You can hear it every Monday to Thursday between 5 and 6 right here 
on SENWA. And I look forward to your company. And, of course, as I mentioned, you can take part any time whatsoever. Uh, now for Nutrien Ag Solutions, going further for Australian farmers. And hello to all the farmers that may be out there in regional Western Australia. If you are listening, love to hear from you. We'll give you a shout-out. Uh, 0487-736-736. Always good to uh, have a bit of a handle on where our listeners are. You might be out there on farms or regional parts of Western Australia. Give us a text and they'll give you a shout-out, 0487 736 736. As I mentioned, Liam Duggan, who's taken over with Oscar Allen, the co-captaincy of the West Coast Eagles in 2024, spoke today and it was interesting to see uh, how he addressed the pre-season so far. Yeah, I'd say we're, we're probably a little bit more... Uh, into match simulation style a little bit earlier than what we have been in the past. It's not not massive differences, but we probably feel a little bit more football ready um, than what we what we have prior. And I think the health of the list as well is a, is a big, um, I suppose, part of that with, with the numbers on the track. And 38 yesterday is, is a way that you can actually train match simulation and you're not having to, to run around the oval and, and do laps. So that, that's part of the... The overall battle really is to, to keep numbers on the park so you can actually train the way that you want to play in the season. Yeah, it, it's huge. Obviously, there's been a shift in the list and um, you know, you, you'll be able to sense it today. The energy is, is high. It's probably higher than it has been in previous years and that may be because we have lost some experience with some older players, but uh, that, that just makes Jeremy McGovern, Barras down back, Yoey out there, Jamie Cripps up forward, just Jack Darling. It, it, they're also valuable to us now because we've got such a really young group and um, you just can't buy experience. So those boys around has is, is been a massive help, especially for Oscar and I as, as younger captains. Um, we've been able to lean on those boys a lot and, and they've helped us carry the load. So Liam Duggan, the co-captain uh, with Oscar Allen uh, for the West Coast Eagles in 2024. We wish him and also Oscar the best of luck for the campaign. It's going to be a tough one for the West Coast Eagles. There's no question about that. Norman Cowell says, Happy New Year, Pete. Good on you, Norm. Thanks for listening in. I believe that the West Coast Eagles will finish around 13th or 14th position. Not the wooden spoon. All depends on injuries, though. Well, as was mentioned there by Liam Duggan, They've lost a bit of experience, and you can't buy experience. A lot of young players coming into the squad, and I reckon they may just bottom out again to a certain degree. But as I said, how many games they get into the young players this season will be so important as they try and build over the next two or three years. We did say last year, didn't we, when the West Coast Eagles were getting smashed uh, in every second game or certainly regularly, that it may take a few years for them to rebound. And I reckon 2024 will be the first year. They've called it rebuild, but I'm saying to rebound to where they were and where we expect them to be. And they will cop some interesting results during the course of 2024. But I think in the end, all the West Coast Eagles supporters and the broadcasters will know that you know, there is a, a pretty young crop out there trying to turn things around. As long as they give plenty of effort with a capital E, I think everybody would be pretty satisfied. Well, the tennis was intriguing. I don't know how many of you have been to the Australian Open at Melbourne Park, but it's a, a terrific event. And, of course, this year they changed it somewhat where before you could only come into the auditorium if you're outside, maybe getting a drink or a pie or whatever, at the change of ends. But now you're allowed to come into the stadium while play was underway. Now, Craig Tyler, the CEO of the Australian Open, who said today this is the best Australian Open that we've had in his time, and he's been there for a number of years, is that players 
need to tolerate some noise now while playing. I uh, yeah, I, I, I love the comment on quiet, please, because uh, it, it's synonymous with tennis, but it's not synonymous with fan enjoyment. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we did trial something else this year that was more free of movement in and out of the stadium. We got great feedback from the fans. The players didn't like it as much at the beginning of the event, but by the time we got to the end of the event, no one even noticed it. And it's like everything with change is that you've just got to go on the journey of change and you've got to accept the fact that at the beginning of it, there's going to be some difficulty, but once it gets to be accepted, it becomes the new norm. I think there's going to be events in tennis around the world that are going to look now to the Australian Open and say, you've set the standard for us, and they will give it a go as well. And we're really having some comments from the U- events in the U.S. that are going to trial the same thing, and, and at least they can reference that it worked at the Australian Open. And you don't always want to trial it at the biggest event uh, in the world in the Grand Slam, but we thought one way to accelerate some of that change was for us just to do it. It's interesting what he does say. Uh, we know at Wimbledon it's very conservative. You can't say boo. It literally, you can't even open maybe the wrapper to a chocolate when uh, the players are ready to serve. You've got to be certainly quiet. Roland Garros, the French Open, there's a bit more noise, probably not too dissimilar to what we experienced at the Australian Open this year. But I've had the privilege of being to a couple of US Opens in New York, and it is. It's like a football crowd there. They make some noise. So the players are used to it to a certain degree, but... When they go to the U.S. Open at Flushing Meadow and they're in Arthur Ashe Stadium, which holds 23,000 people, not everybody is quiet, let me tell you. So they're used to the ambience when they go to New York. And I gather what Craig Tiley's trying to do is move it from not being a Wimbledon at the Australian Open, but move it more towards the U.S. Open, where there is spectator noise and the... Uh, the players just need to grin and bear it, but they play through it. Uh, just on the temper of bedshed text machine, again, Lisa's on the text machine. Peter, absolute tish. No way the Eagles will be on the bottom of the ladder this season. They will win between 10 and 12 games. Gee, Lisa. That's Say that again. Between 10 and 12 games, Lisa reckons they win. Liam and Oscar, both well-grounded young men and leaders and will make great co-captains. So, as I said, all the so-called experts, and we're only in January, so there's plenty of water to go under the bridge between now and the start of the season in March, is if the Eagles don't finish bottom, who finishes bottom then? Lisa and others listening in. We've got a couple of minutes left, so drop it on the temperate bedshed text machine now. 0487. 736, 736. So if Eagles don't occupy 18th position, even though they've lost a lot of games in experience, who will occupy 18th position in your eyes? Love to hear from you on the temper at Bedshed text machine. And just finally, uh, in our sports update for Nutrient Ag Solutions, going further for Australian farmers, a lot has been said about the batting lineup for the Australian cricket team. They got, as I mentioned to Rod Hogg a bit earlier in the program, two tests to be played in New Zealand, and Marnus Labuschagne has been one player that has been questioned after what has been a very poor season, or poor summer by his standards, at test level. This is what Andrew McDonald said on Marnus Labuschagne. I think the positive within that would be that the law of average has suggested he's due for a couple of bumper test matches in series. So we've got full trust and faith in the way that he goes about his preparation, uh, the way he goes about his innings. So um, he's been undone by you know, certain plans at times. So there's no doubt he'll be looking into that as he normally does. He'll get busy, he'll get back to work, and um, we've got full confidence in 
his ability to rebound. And he's, he's a quality player, and you don't average 50 in Test cricket. But there's no doubt that you're going to go through some lulls uh, of form, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, but we expect him to bounce back. There's no doubt about that. Okay, so uh, good luck to Manus Labashain. We've seen what a good player he is. He's just going through a run of outs at the moment. And interesting, uh, we one of the big stories last year was the demise of the Wallabies at the Rugby World Cup. And it appears that rugby's got some more issues here in Australia. Rugby Australia now is working with the debt-ridden Melbourne Rebels to ensure they fill the team in this year's Super Rugby Pacific competition. But there's often no guarantees beyond that. Now, Melbourne formally entered voluntary administration last night. That's right. With the season set to get underway in less than a month. And the national governing body said it remains committed to rugby in Victoria but offered no clues on how that may look. So rugby, again, is hitting more hurdles at this stage after what transpired with the Wallabies at the Rugby World Cup where they failed to get out of the group stage for the first time ever. All right, that's the program. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, Certainly Rodney Hogg was nice and entertaining. It was good of him to come on, even though he's been smacked from pillar to post for his bold prediction and his comments about the West Indies prior to that uh, second test at the Gabba. Good to speak to Rod Hodge. Good to speak to Josh Rawlings, the young glory star who's back to help the glory cause after spending 18 months in Holland. He's out here on loan. Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Jimmy, for your time. We might do a bit on the NFL. I might speak to Ben Graham tomorrow here on Sports Day WA. I'm looking forward to that, plus a few more surprises as well. Have a good night. See you tomorrow from 5. Thank you.